What do women want? I googled that quote, which is the name of this chapel, before I came over this morning. There were 188,000 returns, <laughs> and most of them were porn sites, I think, so I didn't look at them. <laughs> the question, of course, was popularized by the movie back in 2000, Mel Gibson, and Helen Hunt Mel's gone on to other things since then, the passion. But it was popularized by that movie where Mel Gibson somehow, though it never explained how, because most men were wondering, I'd like this uh, gift. He somehow could uh, hear what women were thinking. And it supposedly, theoretically, it enabled him to know what women want. But the, uh, the quote, of course, the name of the movie that you psych majors know is really uh, a, a quote from Freud, who, and I have it here, this is a great quote. <laughs> the great question that has never been answered, and which I have not been able to answer, despite my 30 years of research into the feminine soul, is, what do women want? So I'm talking this morning about women and their role. This is kind of the woman's talk done by a guy. <laughs> and it should be today. Because I'm going to talk mostly to women, but guys, you need to listen because we play a role, important role, in this issue of a woman's role in the world in the church, and in the home. And the question, what do women want, is the wrong question. The right question is, what does God want? And that's why this topic is not a lecture, but a chapel, because that's the question we want to ask today. What does God want? From women. We don't need to talk about whether we're conservative or liberal or Republican or Democrat or our view of the Equal Rights Amendment or anything else. What we really need to ask is what's God's view of women? What does He want? And so I'm going to ask those three questions. And they're sort of uh, questions that move in in concentric circles. The first being, what does God want from women in the sphere of the world? Or what does he want from women as persons, as human beings? Now, there are two views of women. No surprise is it that even the ancient world had views of women and men, sex, different sexes. In fact, the ancient world almost completely agreed in its view of women. At least the guys who did all the writing agree. 
I have two sheets. I didn't bring them because I thought they'd be so inflammatory that you wouldn't listen to me anymore after I read them. But I have two sheets of quotes from ancient writers, great philosophers that you respect and like to drop their name if you've been through philosophy 180 and survived. And their view of women. Because they're kind of two views, and generally speaking, the ancient world pretty well agreed, at least those doing the writing, mostly men, what woman's role was in the world or as persons. There are still two views of women. We'll talk about the church a little bit later, but there are still two views of women even in the, in the uh, church. Let me outline the two views, and I'll tell you then which is mine. And actually, I'm here to tell you which is the university's view and the church that sponsors this university's view. You can differ with it, but you'll be bouncing off what we think is the right view. So it's not like I'm not outlining two views to say, hmm, A, B, take your money, pays your choice. I'll go with B, I'll go with A. Here's one view, view A. It's the woman is a weaker sex view. It says that woman is weaker physically than men. She can't lift as much stuff. She can't wield as big a sword and kill as many of the enemies, asterisk Joan of Arc, but everybody else, generally speaking. <laughs> generally speaking, women are weaker than men. They're not as fast. They're not as strong. They can't fight the wars for us. We could debate that one, and we'll talk a little bit about that one later when I get over on the other side of the pulpit here. View B. But this view goes on. That's not all. It's that woman is weaker intellectually than men. They're not as smart as guys. That they just can't get it sometimes. That while men might think great thoughts, and I'm talking like an ancient here, great thoughts of philosophy and best good for the most people or the most good for the most people and thoughts about ethics and what's right and what's good, women think about what's for supper. Women think about short-term things and about things close to home and ideas that are mundane, and she just doesn't get big thoughts. And third, women are, this view, are really the weaker sex morally. That they're creatures, some of the ancient language here, my goodness, talk about hating women, my goodness. They are creatures that are creatures of the flesh. And they're self-centered and selfish, and they're all wrapped up on, in themselves. And they are bounded on the north, east, south, and west by themselves. And, and they, they are more inclined to bad moral decisions that they'll compromise truth and give it away to other people just for, to keep the peace. And therefore, they shouldn't be trusted with moral leadership or moral decision-making. The other view, and it's a more recent view, 
is not women as weaker, but women as equal. That women are human beings created in God's image. And that while that side over there keeps reminding us that Eve did the fruit thing and the sin thing and the curse thing and therefore has to be controlled, this side says, no, the curse sort of produced this two-tiered thing and that God in his original intention intended human beings to equal both men and women to have gifts and talents and abilities and that God gave them to men and women. And granted, some have more and some have less, but not automatically is that related to your sexual equipment. It's related to who you are and your genes and God's blessing on you. And therefore, women and men are equal. And that the trajectory of scriptures to the future is all about equality. In other words, there won't be two tiers in heaven. And so we should move things toward this equality on this earth and not be looking back to the fall and say, well, look what happened in the fall, so we need to sort of leave that. We're stuck with that. Now think of these two views and the implications of them. If you have this first view, what is a woman to do as far as the world's concerned? I went to World Changers class now. What do I do? Find a guy. Hitch your wagon to the guy. Don't take charge of anything moral. Find a guy who's a spiritual leader and trust him to make moral and spiritual decisions. Don't get too cocky about thinking I can think very much. Find a guy who's a good thinker and hook on with him and let him make these big thoughts. And I'll think about asparagus. <laughs> If you are inferior, physically, mentally, spiritually, you need to find a protector if you have this view. If you have this view, you need to, or want, might want to, you wouldn't have to, find a partner. Find somebody who can go with you together. The implication of this view is go into the world changers class and say, what do I have to do to get a good grade here? The implication of this view says, go to the world changer class or the life calling center and say, I got to find what God wants me to do with my life, married or single. I'm, I'm a, God has sent me to do something on the earth. The implication of this side just says, hey, I've got to sort of find something to do while I get hitched to something else that's more important than me. The implication of this side is says, what does God want to do in the world? What's his will? When we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what is your will on earth? What's the earth look like if God had his will? and his way, I'm going to try to turn it into that, even though I'll never do it completely till he comes back. I'm trying to get it to happen. This university, the denomination that sponsors this university, takes view B. That's why we don't have a life calling center that says, guys, come and sign up and find out your life calling. 
or we talk about world changing with guys and talk about marriage with women. It's because this university and the denomination that sponsors it all the way back to its beginning really believes that God, it believes this second view, that God has given gifts and abilities and life callings to men and women. He's given intellectual ability to men and women and moral sense to both men and women. And whether you are a guy or a girl does not make you more moral, more intellectual, that God has given those strength and you have to find it. So, if we ask the question, what does God want of women? As far as the sphere in the world, it's to find your life calling. And I know I'm kind of giving you an Uncle Keith talk here. <laughs> but gals, I know some of you just are desperate. You just really want to find a guy. You say, I, I got to go down to IW and find a guy. And I hope you do. I have a whole list in my office of some good guys that you could get. Okay. <laughs> They're kind of leftovers. This is our senior year, you know. <laughs> but if you're saying to yourself, I'll think about, well, watch this, I'll think about changing the world in case I don't get married. If I get my man, then I don't have to worry about those things. I'm here to try to talk you out of that. The implication of this view, which I think is the right one, and so does this university think it's the right one. The implication of this view is find your life calling, and if you're going to get married, find a partner that's compatible with that life calling and work it out together. That's, I think, what God wants from women as persons, to take the full responsibility for your life calling. Number two. What does God want in the sphere in the church? And there's a lot of debate on this subject, and I know a number of you come from churches and denominations that are going to have a different view than I and this, and this school has. But again, can you see, go back to the ancient view of women and its vestiges in present culture. Can you see why someone who has this view of women would not want a woman pastor? I mean, whatever your position is, try to understand that. If I really believe that women are weaker sex spiritually, why would I want to let them lead? Why would I want them to preach? If I really think they're not smart enough to think big thoughts, why do I want to let them exegete Scripture? Some people who have this view, I respect in at least in the sense that they're consistent with their assumptions. What bothers me is people who have the attitude and disclaim the assumption. And so some today would say, a woman cannot speak in church, and she can't. What we did in Wednesday in chapel with Julie Collins, we should have dismissed all the guys and just let her talk to the women and the children because a woman can't have authority over a man. She can't instruct a man. Because she's not, she's the weaker sex morally and spiritually and intellectually. And it's inappropriate for her to think she can instruct men. Maybe little boys, but not once they become men. And so we have organizations and we have churches and we have institutions. And a parachurch organization, I can think of some parachurch organizations, 30, 40 itinerants traveling around the country speaking. You can't find a woman among them. Why? 
is because people actually, though they disclaim the assumption, still have that view, that ancient view. That's this view. There is another view that just says that God sometimes calls women into ministry and into pastoring too. That God doesn't just look down and say, I want guys for the ministry, but God looks down and looks for human beings. This side sort of says that we need men and women to be leaders in the church. And in some sense, if we only had women or only have men, we wouldn't get a balanced kind of diet of what God wants to really say to us. That God can speak through human beings, men or women, and that God calls them. And when God calls them, they should answer the call and go into this ministry. This university and the domination that sponsors this university has this view. That's why we have women and Christian ministries majors. We do not believe that women cannot speak to men. We believe that God speaks through women powerfully and that God anoints women and they are prophets and they can be priests and they can be the senior pastor, not just the children's worker at a church, that they can indeed be this. But can you see the implications of this view? If you believe this view, that means what do you have to do as a woman? You have to listen and see if God calls you. If you have this view, don't even think of a call. If you have this view here, don't even think of a call. Because he's not going to call you, he's going to call a guy. But if you have this view of women that God sometimes calls a woman, every woman has to just say, Maybe he's calling me, are you, Lord? It's not out of the question for you. Side note. I'm not saying it's easy to be a woman in ministry. It's not. It's harder. Most churches elect or select their pastors. And most churches have a sexual preference when they do that. So they might prefer a guy. Because when you have an election, people are kind of quiet. Just write down yes, no, most churches. So you'll, have, you'll be up against that. There are some denominations will not ordain you. You may, if God calls you into ministry, you'll have to leave your denomination. So I guess. Or will you say, oh, sorry, Lord, you know, I'll take my denomination over you. You have to go find another denomination. There are a few denominations, two of them in the last five years, reversed. They used to ordain women and reversed it and said, we no longer do. You ordained a woman, poof, now you're not anymore. Take it away. <laughs> My opinion, shame on them. Okay. So I'm not saying it's going to be easier. It will be difficult at times. But here's the good side. If God calls you, won't he give you a job? I mean, if God's called you, there's got to be somewhere in the 555,000 churches in America, there's got to be one. All you need is one. <laughs> 490,000 of them can reject you. All you need is one, a place to minister. And if you had none, you could plant a church. Nice thing about church planting, if you're a woman, is everybody who comes accepts a woman's ministry. <laughs> you don't get the other one. But it's going to be different. You, you might have resistance to your ministry. And I want to tell you the truth on this one, too. A lot of the resistance comes from women. Some of it comes from men. But a lot of it comes from women. That's the hardest resistance for women in ministry to live with. Other women. 
kind of demeaning them and saying, who do you think you are? And then there's that awkward thing if you want to stay home with the children for five or ten years. That's really awkward for women. You say, where'd your call go now, little girly? See what people, women say that more than men, actually. And you say, I want to say, so what I found is often women just say, little, 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 I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear, I don't want to even consider that thing. And in some way, and, and in some way I can respect women, not, I don't want to be a fighter, I don't want to make myself the issue. That's a beautiful kind of attitude. Yet at the other sense, I hope you're not going to say, I'm not going to listen to God because I don't want to be uncomfortable. So, the second, women in the church. The view of this universe and the view of the denomination sponsored, and my view very strongly, is God calls men and women. And if you're a woman and God calls you, respond. Don't worry. He'll find a place for you to minister. Third, what about woman in the home or woman as wife? Again, can you see the two views? If you believe this view that women are actually sort of weaker sex morally and intellectually. Can you, can you see what the implication of that going to be in the home? Find a good guy, man. Find a good guy. Someone to protect you. Someone to make decisions for you. Someone to look out for you. And be submissive to him. I got to find my guy and I'm going to submit to him and let him make the big decision. He's going to go and get out the big family Bible and open it up and say, come here, little children. You too, honey. I'll teach you today. I'm the spiritual leader of this home. I mean, that's where you'll go with this view. And I know there are a lot of gals in this campus say that all the time. You want, that's what you say you want. See, the guys around here just aren't spiritual enough. I'm looking for a spiritual giant kind of thing. You're really hungry for that. Yet there's this view that's on this side that sort of says the question about who should be the spiritual leader in the home is closer to asking who should be the pitcher on a baseball team. Who's better? And the people on this side sort of say sometimes gals are running away from their responsibility by not being willing to step up to the plate and go get the big family Bible themselves and say, gather around, come here, honey, sit down. We're going to have devotions. Because in some sense, maybe God's asked you to do it because you're the stronger person spiritually. There are women on this campus, far greater giants than some of the men on this campus. What are you going to do? Marry the jerk and then say, I'm going to be submissive. You lead me spiritually. He says, hey, honey, let's watch this video together. I'll be, I've already decided it's right. Yeah, wait, what are you going to do? And say, okay, he's a spiritual leader. Let him decide. Hey, can we bring another girl over and have a threesome? I've prayed through on this, honey. Okay, dear. See, you're, the very fact that you go, ah, means you say, no, wait a second. There's a certain level in which God talks to me, too. I don't want him to make all my spiritual decisions. So, will you submit to your husband? Let him be the leader and make the decisions and decide whether you go on for a master's or not because he has a... Will you let him make all the moral decisions or not? What's the position of this university and the denomination that sponsored it? Doesn't have one. Doesn't have one. I have a position. I lean over here, but... It doesn't have one. You decide. You want to be a submissive wife? 
You can decide that. You want to be a submissive husband? You decide that. You want to get together and take turns being submissive? You decide that. You want to get together like my wife and I and just argue for 30 years and never give in on anything? You can do that too. And just say, we're going we're gonna to make decisions intellectually by arguing, not by submitting automatically. Oh, we can't make our my mind. Okay, I'm the, I give up on this one. Don't have a decision on that one. So what are you going to do? What does God want? God wants from women. He wants you to find your place changing the world. He wants you to listen in case he calls you to ministry as well. And I think he wants you to kind of sort out if you get married how you're going to kind of work out the executive decisions at the home, whether one's in charge, the other one's in charge, you're going to take turns or whatever else, that you'll work that out yourself. God bless you. You're dismissed.